Hello and welcome to HR Unplugged episode 33. This episode is packed with great insights and ideas for HR leaders at nearly every level. Today's discussion includes Anita Grantham, Bamboo HR's head of HR, and Vanessa Brulat, one of our HR business partners at Bamboo HR. Our panel discussion focuses on building and maintaining a strong company culture so you can drive success and employee satisfaction at your org. In this episode, you'll learn how to establish clear values and goals, improve communication and transparency, and find ways to foster collaboration and teamwork. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Hi, Bamboo HR here. Do you know what your employees really want? I mean, besides more money, of course, and better benefits. Maybe an in-house masseuse. Ooh, a never-ending supply of chocolate chip cookies fresh from the oven and gooey. Mmm. Besides all that, what do they want? Well, they want to feel energized and free to do their best work. That's where I come in. I'm user-friendly, fast, accurate. Employees, managers, admins, they all love me. It's easy to switch, too. Give it a try at BambooHR.com. That's BambooHR.com. Welcome, everyone, to episode 33, How to Take Your Company Culture from Good to Great. We invite you to visit us at hrunplugged.com, where you can sign up to be invited to all future episodes of HR Unplugged by clicking subscribe to the series. You can view the latest episodes of the series on demand and in podcast format. So please subscribe, leave us a review. We love that. And there's also... Just as a reminder to our Slack community, join our HR Hero Slack channel so you can network with the community on demand. Our first section is all about how company culture impacts your organization. So Anita, what do you think company culture impacts the most at an organization? What have you observed at the various companies you've worked for and interacted with? So this is the, if you don't hear anything else today, this is what I want you to hear. If you don't define what culture is, you still have one. An undefined culture is a culture because it is the personality of your organization. It's often a mix of the values, attitudes, standards, and behaviors, engagement of your team members. So I'm just going to say it again. It's a mix of the values, attitudes, standards, behaviors, and engagement of your employees. So if you don't define what those are, they will exist anyway. And they will be modeled by your leadership. And they're often unsaid. You know that I think words are baloney. People only go through what actions are. So people will model the actions they see, and they will model the actions of those that are most rewarded. And so if you don't define it, yes, if you don't define it, then it exists for you anyway. 94% of those surveyed said that company culture is important to an organizational success. So I think it's really important that you take the time to define it. I love that. And something that you said too, it's like, it's, it's like with promotions, like whoever you, you promote sets the stage for all promotions in future. So if you promote a toxic behavior, everybody else is going to copy that because, oh, that's what's going to be get, be, get rewarded and not have accountability towards. Um, so can you give, I know that's one example, but can you give a few examples of what c- culture impacts at the organization? Yeah. So um, a few great questions in here. You know, it seems to be a tide turning against DEIB. The biggest issue is the old guard. For sure, the longer the team members are at your organization, they are usually the most disengaged. So how do we define it? 
you know, I'm a big fan of our value cards. I show them on every meeting, but we go through and um, especially in the conversation we are having before this around, you know, leading your teams through violent ongoing work events, you have to lead from where you are. And in a violent ongoing work event, everybody's in a different place. So here's what lead from where you are says for bamboo. You can see we've got a QR code, but this is how we define what the value is. This is where we get into a lot of trouble where lead from where you are can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. If you have 20 division leaders or 10 division leaders or even seven division leaders, you're going to get seven interpretations of what this means. So I want you to take your mission statement. I want you to take your values. And then I want you to define your values with the behaviors, the attitudes, the standards, and the behaviors that you want exemplified and consistently demonstrated. To me, a leader on our team, especially on the people team, is held to a higher standard than any other team in the organization. Vanessa and I have to work harder than anyone else to uphold these values. And we have to be more committed to not talking about it, but role modeling the behavior that we have out there. So some specific things is the way assignments are handed out. Are you handing out assignments to the extrovert that always asks? Are you handing assignments out to the most qualified candidate that maybe is the introvert that doesn't promote themselves? You know, do you make really thoughtful job descriptions so you can get a qualified slate of diverse candidates? How do you think about opportunities for advancement? Do you have a clear um, process for promotion? Do people understand what the criteria are to progress within their career? What about the level of collaboration required between team members? Is that something that's um, you know, promoted, that examples are demonstrated around, that you celebrate? Is there pressure to work when you're sick? You've seen us do a lot in the last month about sick guilt is really real and people are working all the time when they're sick. Think about how different events are celebrated, birthdays, anniversaries, achievement. Are there only so many people to get FaceTime with executives? You know, there's a lot now with hybrid workforce. Are the people that are in office the only ones that are getting promoted? So these are the things that are defining your culture if you're not defining them. So how how do you figure out what your co company culture is and what it should be? So a big part of it is through defining your values and also going through each process. So we're getting ready. We have a board meeting tomorrow. We're talking about compensation. So we're talking about our merit market budget. We're talking about our 2023 bonus plan. We're talking about our 2024 bonus plan. We're talking about our 2024 equity refresh. For each of these, we have a set of reward principles. Um, one of my favorite reward principles is that they are applied consistently throughout the organization, regardless of level, regardless of title. And so as we get ready to go through this with the board tomorrow, we take them back to the principles and we say, these are the principles and our principles of the program are not changing. They're still working for us. Um, and this is the budget that we're going to allocate to market and merit. So market is the markets moved for these jobs. So we have data that says that and we make adjustments to get people to where we think they need to be in the range based on our philosophy. We have a thoughtful promotion process. We are just looking at this and our people leadership team meeting this week and going through what's the criteria from which somebody moves a level and how do you know that they're ready and how do we do it consistently? This is what happens. People get promoted at different levels of the organizations all over the place. 
And you're like, did so-and-so just get promoted because, you know, he or she is better at promoting themselves or are they really the most qualified person? Right. And so you want to have consistency across promotion. So when somebody gets promoted, you're like, oh, I see that because you want people to look at it and be like, that's what good looks like. So those are some ways, Vanessa, that you can start to take a stab at it. DNI is a big piece of that too, right? What are your principles around the D, the E, the I, and the B? We're working through that and to align our whole team to those principles and say, okay, what are we committed to in each of those principles? So that's that's where I would encourage you to start on each of these things that seem so big. Yeah. And, and like you said, like clearly defining the expectations and measurements of success for each of those roles and holding to like true to those expectations, then you're creating a much more fair process and you're removing potential biases in there as well. How do you develop culture for a company whose employees are all remote? Like, how would you use that into consideration for this? So I would put together principles that talk about what does success look like for our employees to be remote? What does engagement look like? I would actually ask all of your employees to contribute to a document. What would the ideal culture be like for you if you're all going to be remote? Do we invest more in collaboration tools that are technology-based? Do we spend more time on Zoom gatherings and connection things and Slack groups and things like that? I mean, help everybody get involved by defining it for them. It's really easy for us to look at the people team and say, what did you do for me? And how are you defining this for me? Go and ask your customer. They're at your company because remote is a definite perk for a lot of people. Like I saw this great post on LinkedIn this week, Vanessa, where somebody was saying, hey, remote serves a purpose, not just for effective work, but also for people that are caregiving for older people, you know, and have significant anxiety or introvert things that they're working through. So let's not be so judgmental. If you have, you know, defined reasons why you're doing remote, let's say you're serving a big international customer base, you feel like that's the best way that you can secure talent. You know, what does a great culture look like for all those that are remote? Um, There's a number of books on this, but I would go to work and have, have your team ask the questions. What makes you proud to be here? What makes you strive in your job? If we're just remote, how do we think about a consistent promotion process? Do you feel like you have career growth? Will you stay for the next two years and figure out what it would take to get to measurements on all of those things that you think are great and tie it back to your mission and values? Well, and something else we talked about in our prep call, Anita, was this idea of defining your philosophy on culture. Can you share a bit about that here? Yeah, for sure. I think it's important to know where your philosophy is. And we've talked about the cake before. There's your mission, which is the why we do what we do. The values are how we do it. The strategy is what we do. The talent is who we do it. The EVP, employee value proposition, is like why talent comes and works and does all of this. And then the rewards is how we reward the talent for coming in and delivering. And so to me, this is how you would build it. And if you don't have any one of these ingredients, this is where I would encourage you to start. If you haven't really defined your mission, you should go do that. If you don't really have defined values, or let's say they're antiquated values, or I saw a question in the chat was like, what if you have them already done? Do you have them defined? Like you don't have to do them in prose like this. You could do a bullet list. Like in other companies I've been at before, I've had like what good looks like, what not good looks like. So they could see the differentiation between both stacks, which I'm a big fan of. Um, there's a number of ways that you can get people involved. You could say, hey, what value is missing? What value is an additive back to our strategy? 
right? You might need something because your strategy has shifted. You might need something in the values that helped you achieve the strategy. And it's through the strategy that you know what talent you're going to go get. And when you know what types of talent you get, you've got to put together a value proposition that will attract them into your business. And then you've got to make sure that you're able to reward and keep up with them. EVP is employee value proposition. Think of it like a customer value proposition. So people are buying the job, right? Just like they're buying a product and you want to make sure you're delivering on the things that they came in and signed up for when they applied to the job. Well, and it's, it's interesting too, because I think another thing to consider, and we, you kind of spoke to this a little bit earlier too, is the difference in definitions of growth opportunities. And a lot of people think about it as in regards to, to promotions, like, if I'm promoted, right. then I'm having growth opportunities. But how are we creating that environment where you're providing that expansion in their growth of knowledge and personal experiences within the company to add more tools to their tool belt? Because there are growth opportunities without promotion. So how are you creating that space for them? You know, I totally agree. And I think it's important to consider whether promotions are being used to solve business problems. Um, business needs is probably the better term. Or are they used to recognize individuals? You know, when Vanessa and I started this work together at Bamboo, promotion was um, a combination of both. And I think it depended on the team that you were on, the way it was used. And so we were a mixed bag of recognition and business need, which led to a lot of inconsistency in the quality of people that we were promoting into different roles. So, you know, Vanessa and I were batting this back and forth in our prep call where it was like in some roles, especially in engineering organizations, when you bring in a lot of interns, they want to be promoted every six months, right? They're getting new skills, they're delivering more value, you know, they're early in their career and they want to be promoted quickly. And that works. But then if you have, depending on how many interns you have, you could be moving, like if you're looking at spans and layers, which is a data piece that I think you all need to have. So per leader, How many leaders do they have reporting to them and how many reports do they have? You know, it's a good rule of thumb that every people leader has five to seven direct reports reporting into them. Your two exceptions are usually a product org or a GNA org just because we're smaller orgs built to serve the entire organization. But if you look at sales, customer success, engineering, those ones, you should have five to seven direct reports per leader. So it's really good to say, okay, if I'm going to move all these people through, like in the example of engineering and interns, what do I do with all these mid-level people I have in the middle, right? So then I go from having a pyramid structure to kind of uh, uh, a one-wheel structure. Does everybody know what a one-wheel is? It's that cool skateboard with the wheel in the middle and it tips on either side, right? All your center of gravity is in the middle, Um, you know, or do you want to be a skateboard where it's kind of evenly dispersed or a barbell and you have it on either side? You know, what's the talent strategy that you're going after? And I really feel like promotion is, it's a—it's an increased cost to your expense line item when you are increasing salaries at such a rate. I think it should be there to solve a business need. Now, the con is if you do that and somebody's ready for promotion and you don't have a business need, they might go somewhere else that does, right? So that's that's where you're going to be turning them out. But regardless of what you do, there's pros and cons to all of it. Just pick a strategy and consistently execute to it. Well, to wrap up this section, what are two ways you know your culture is working? So the number one way is the business is performing, right? 
I believe an effective culture drives business performance. And so you'll want to see that um, your business is performing would be full stop number one. I mean, I think the other metrics that we look at is regrettable attrition. Um, I like to see our minorities moving through the promotion run, right? Like, are we able to see how many women and minorities are moving through the promotion rung? Um, are people being able to take on bigger projects? Is the autonomy and span and scope of their ability to deliver increasing? Um, is the morale going up? Is there increased engagement? Are you having improved customer experience and retention? So, you know, our belief is that if you get the culture right, most of the other things like great customer service and building a good long-term brand and empowering passionate employees and customers will happen on its own, says the late Tony Heisch, one of my most favorite people on the planet. Rest in peace, Tony. He shared that quote. And I think it's really important to keep that in mind that a strong employee experience drives a strong customer experience and drives shareholder return. Well, if, if company culture is driven by clear values and goals in, at your business, how do you go about establishing those clear values and goals? Yeah, so it's really important. Again, like go back to the cake, make sure you define your mission, vision, and values and review your goals. I, it says in my speaker guide right now for the next five, 10 or 15 years, I feel it's a little bit long. The world is changing so quickly. I don't care what the timeline is, like pick six months, 12 months, 18 months. It depends on the phase and stage of your business. So pick something and say, hey, in the next six months, what do we need to do, right? Like we know that if we um, reduce our attrition of key talent, our business is going to get better. So do you have a process to identify key talent? And are you tracking when you have somebody that you regret losing going somewhere else? Are you tracking it? So Every quarter, you can say, hey, we retain all of our top talent. Next quarter, we've retained all of our top talent. So those are some measures that you can use. You can look at Glassdoor reviews, right? As much as I hate it, it's like a giant Yelp to me. It is a lagging indicator that I think is important for us to manage and measure because it's external facing and it is an ingredient that candidates use to be able to come on. Um, three of my favorite metrics that we talked about earlier, but I'm just going to bring them back here is, do you have your team members saying that they will stay for the next two years? I don't think that's unreasonable for people to feel like they can stay for two years. I think it actually takes a full year to get acclimated and delivering value in a job. I'd like you to stay one more year. I feel like if I can get you to stay through growth and promotion more, that's a bonus. Um, so will they stay? Do they see ways to strive and grow? And are they proud to work here? So you can do surveys that ask all these questions. I feel proud to work here. I feel like my manager is invested in my success. I feel like I have somebody that's watching out for me and is an advocate for me and can remove roadblocks. And I'm willing to be here the next two years. All of those are measure measurable. So think about the culture you need to help achieve your business, achieve these goals. Um, think about aligning your mission and vision with your values. What behaviors do you need to bring in? and start defining who you are as a business and get clear on what that culture looks like from an intentionality standpoint. Well, and Anita, we had a good question here. Can you define engagement from a tactical perspective? What is it and how to measure it? I don't know what engagement is. What is engagement? Like, I think it is, I mean, it is what you want it to be, right? It's the pretty woman approach of it. I mean, for me, engagement is the say, stay, strive. 
that's to me how I want to measure it. Um, I know this is counterintuitive, but I'm really not a big EMPS fan. I feel like it's lagging. I feel like if you research EMPS, like it'll tell you all those things. We have it in our product. I think it's a great way to gauge a sense of engagement, but there's so much more I want to know. So I want to know, I want to stay here for two years. I have opportunities for growth. Somebody believes in my success and removes roadblocks. And I'm proud to be here representing the product and service. So to me, those are the ones that I would I would push on. So um, there's a number of different ways you can do it. Again, I really don't care how you do it. I just want you to consistently measure it quarter or month or year after year so you can see if you're moving it. If you don't commit to these measures and you change these things, then you're never going to know where you are. It's like driving a car without knowing how fast you are and if you're out of oil. So pick what you want on the dashboard. It doesn't have to be super complicated. You can do all of this through a Google form and a Google survey, right? You can do it inside Bamboo. There's so many different tools out there that are great. Um, so, so just pick, pick a methodology and stick to it and get a great data analyst to help you slice and dice. I love that. Say, stay, stay and strive. <laughs> yeah. and, and Nicole, another one I really like is I feel I belong here right? I feel like I belong here. Like, you know, y'all know me. I don't believe in bringing your whole self to work. I don't want your whole self here at work. I want you to have freedom to express who you are in the context of our mission, but whole self isn't, isn't always useful if we want a truly inclusive environment, right? I want people that are willing to be open to others' ideas, regardless how we feel personally. Like Vanessa will tell you, she probably never knows where I stand on anything personally. My CEO will tell that. He's like, I never know really where you are on any topic. And it's because I really want to hear where everybody's at. I want everybody to feel included. As soon as you put a stake in the stand, you are excluding people. And so to me, I feel like I belong in the context of our mission, I think is, is really important. And through belonging, you get inclusion. Well, can you give us some examples of the different types of culture companies might try to achieve? Um, so HBR, who I love, says there are eight different culture styles, right? So caring, collaborative, supportive, purposeful, idealistic, altruistic, right? Like, again, like it is, we'll go, we'll, it, we can make it anything that you want it to be. Like, I don't care as long as your business is excelling, as long as your business is winning. And hey, maybe your business doesn't have to excel or win. Maybe you just want a lifestyle business. Maybe you want a business like I I just booked the guy to come do lights on my house for the holiday season. And he's like, yeah, I have this small business where I get to go away all summer long, right? So it's a lifestyle business. And he works really hard through the fall and winter. And then he's off through the spring and summer. That's okay. Like whatever winning is for you, I want you to do that. And I want you to build a culture around it. But if you aren't thinking about this is where I want to be as a business, and this is the culture I need to drive it and connecting those two, then you'll be off track. Like I also share this example when I was working at a tech company that um, got taken over by private equity. And we really like, um, we had a mission, you know, to support small businesses at the time that it happened, I feel like we should have changed our mission to generate revenue at all costs. And again, I have no judgment around generating revenue at all costs. I can hire, train, and fire to that. I can. I, can. I just need to know what we are. But saying that we support small business, but really the actions are generating revenue at all costs, is a challenge. 
So be authentic and tie the two together. I love that. Well, let's let's talk about communication, um, kind of going into our third part of this, this conversation and how it impacts company culture. If company culture is so dependent on clear values and goals, the next step is to clearly def- clearly communicate those values and goals. What is your advice on ways to improve communication and transparency so you can improve your company culture? Okay. If you go through and you do all this work, and you bake the beautiful cake. Mike, can we put the cake back up again? If you go through and you do all this and you do not communicate around it, it doesn't matter. Like don't do the work. Like really just don't do it because it won't matter and you won't get the impact that you need. So I we should wrap the cake in some beautiful foil or something, Vanessa, not foil, but maybe what's that clear paper that goes around it with like a big bow? What am I looking for? Oh, yeah. The, it's like that plastic stuff. Yeah, that's cellophane. cellophane. Yes. Thank you, Carrie. Yes. Thank you, everybody. Cellophane. Yes. I want cellophane. I want some French ribbon that's wired with a gorgeous bow. No, I don't use saran wrap, Robin. That, that will cause problem. It will pull off the frosting. It won't look as pretty. So definitely get the cellophane. But you want to wrap the cake in this beautiful cellophane that um, has a beautiful bow, and that is communication. Because a good example about this, I'll give you an example that is as lived last week, um, is let's talk about pay transparency versus sharing financials. What does your mission, vision, and values say about this? Does it say that because let's say you have, so let me, I've got, I've got one for you. Stand by for it. I've got a value card here that says we are going to be open. We are going to be open. Okay. So does that mean that in the spirit of being open, we communicate openly. We start from a place of mutual respect and we assume others have good intentions is the first sentence. So does that mean that I openly share my financials with the entire organization? I think that's open for debate. I think there's some good pros to sharing financials. I think there's some cons with sharing financials depending on your phase and stage. Um, pay transparency is a big one. Everybody writes about pay transparency. Everybody's got to know what everybody makes at every level of the organization. I have not seen a case study where pay transparency to that level of transparency actually drives effective performance. There's a lot of challenges that exist there. Now, if I'm a leader and I have a team, I think it's important for me to know where they are paid and where they are in the range and to be able to communicate if Vanessa and I are having this conversation, hey, Vanessa, you're low in your range because this is the first time you've ever been an HR business partner. I'm committed to you to continue to growing um, your earning potential here at Bamboo. You have all this upside available to you in your range. These are the things. Let's make a plan together so that we can continue to increase because like Vanessa is crushing it as a business partner, just so you all know. She has taken on employee relations. She's taking on some of the really hard stuff that we're doing and she's learning and she's growing every day. And that's bringing value back to Bamboo. And so we owe it to her to let her know where she is and how she can continue to move forward. I think that's a great way to talk about pay transparency on a spectrum without going all the way to one side or the other. I want to be able to move through the range in all things. I love it. Bravo, Vanessa. I love it. I know. I feel like I just said a bunch of virtual high fives from all my HR friends. This is great. did your performance review on HR Unplugged. (laughs) So I think it's important that you think about 
what does it actually mean? I mean, the best advice I have for this is starting with your mission, vision, and values and saying, how do we apply this in the decision that we're making so we can be really thoughtful and communicate out effectively and tie it back to our values, right? And then we can speak to it to say, hey, this is where we are in pay transparency. As our leaders grow, so are our ability to be transparent. Because if I go back to this other value of lead from where you are, we have a lot of new leaders at Bamboo. They're not fully versed in compensation. We've been sending a lot of training and doing a lot of training with our leaders to help them. But if I went all the way to transparency with a bunch of leaders that don't understand compensation, that's going to make it the top priority in the business, whether we want it to be or not. And that is not the right decision for the business. So you have to be able to calibrate it back and forth. Yes. Well, and what are the best ways leaders can foster collaboration and teamwork for their direct reports? So I think it's important that when you hear a company message, then you have an agenda to come back and say leaders need to replay that entire message with their teams. And they need to be able to speak to it in a way that they really, really understand it and re-communicate. Patrick Lencioni is a great one in this. He says, communicate, communicate, communicate seven times for, before people actually hear it. And you know, set expectations for collaboration and communication. Um, like what I'm going to start doing for my CEO is I said, hey, I need better execution and accountability for you and your plus runs around people programs. So I'm going to start making you a one-on-one -on -one doc for every one-on-one -on -one you do with your direct reports. Like we just did talent reviews. We had 9% of Bambooligans, this really breaks my heart, that filled out their self-assessment in the tool, but the leaders did not fill out their portion, right? And I'm not going to drive that message. That's a leadership lesson. Our CEO needs to go back and do that. So I'm going to put that in there and he's going to say, let's pull up your report in Bamboo Live, have all of your leaders done their talent review for all the people that have done the hard work and put that in, right? That affects the say, stay, and strive element of engagement that isn't doing the right thing, right? That isn't making it count. And it's really hard for me to assume the best if your whole team isn't really getting behind this program. And look, performance and talent reviews, that's a leadership muscle. That's a leadership mechanism. You know, HR and people, we build the infrastructure for that, but it survives and fails on leaders' ability to execute to it. So I would encourage you to really think about how you're setting your leaders up for success, how you're re-communicating the message, and how you're actually having better collaboration, whether it's through Slack, Zoom, in-person meetings. You know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. Anything you'd add there, Vanessa? Well, I keep thinking back to the cake because speaking about leaders, we were kind of talking about this earlier about creating those measurements of success and defining different levels. You have to really define, you know, what is the standard for success? What are those measurements you expect from your leaders? And holding them accountable is just as important in upholding the standards of your culture, your values, your mission, and, and, and helping that because, you know, the culture, you get the leaders as leaders, we have to exemplify the behaviors we want to see. And if we're not showing those behaviors, how do we expect employees to, to replicate that? It won't happen. It's, it goes from the top down and you have to have, your leaders have to have that strength and knowledge of really understanding those values and really being able to, to act on those behaviors. So true. Like it's, you're only as good as your leaders demonstrating the programs that we ship. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. Well, I know that uh, we're, we're 
we're wrapping up a little bit, going into the Q&A. Thank you, Nita. And there's there's been a lot of good questions today in the in the chats. And I think we have a, a you know, maybe room for one or two more um, just before we wrap up this discussion. I added a few into the Q&A. And there Please was vote one- them up down so we can answer the ones that matter most to you, too. Yes. Go to that Q&A section and vote on the ones that you really want to hear about. Um, there is one that got quite a few votes. Um, I'm going to share to the, the screen here. Working a small profit, nonprofit, it is difficult to reward people monetarily or even promote people. What are other rewards for this behavior? Okay, Sonia, you've got to get this book. It's called Good to Great. You know, I'm a big Jim Collins fan. So it's Good to Great for Social Sectors. Um, and so definitely pick that up. And it will talk about how you create a lot of these frameworks that we've talked about today, mission, vision, values for the social sector. So I would go back and ask the question to the people. We work in a nonprofit. Um, we're dependent on donations to be successful. What you know rewards, what keeps you here? What engages you? Um, you know, don't miss the opportunity for handwritten note. Don't miss the opportunity to buy lunch for the team. Don't miss, and like, this is part of the value proposition, right? You're going to come in and you're going to cure cancer. You're going to help small children. You're going to help abuse pets, like whatever your mission is. And that's what they're there to do. So you've got to continually be telling them the stories of the impact that they're having. That's why they're coming is because they want to have that impact. So make sure that you're able to highlight the work. Like you could do, Vanessa's really great at this. We do a quarterly award on our people team where peers submit um, what they see in other peers pertaining to our values, right? So it's tied to the values. And then Vanessa does a highlight reel of all the peers talking about that person and what they do really well. And I'll tell you, it's better than a check any day. What do you think, Vanessa? I think so too, because it's creating it's creating a, a powerful moment. Like it's, because yeah. if when it's just a checklist, the meaning just gets taken out of it. But when it's like this moment of, like that recognition, you kind of created that for me earlier in this conversation, that recognition, people being like, hey, high five and sending me fun, fun little giffies because everybody knows I love giffies. If you didn't know that already, I don't know if I'm saying that right, giffies, giffies, you know, tomato, tomato. Um, but creating that powerful moment, <laughs> it, it creates that that bond in that connection to the culture because you, it's, it's that belonging moment too is attached to it. So I love it. Um, there's one more question I just want to end on because it got so many votes or it just went skyrocketed as soon as we said to vote. So um, Jess asked, what are some KPIs that relate to culture and development? Okay, so um, we've talked about a lot of them. Do I feel like I belong here? Um, what is my regrettable attrition? So that's talent that I regret losing. They have voluntarily left and gone somewhere else. So you'll get that through your exit survey. Um, what is your glass door rating? Um, what do they say? Do they say that they're proud to be here? I am proud to be a Bamboo again. I want to stay at Bamboo for the next two years. And I feel like I can strive here. I feel like I have a leader that listens to me, invests in my career, removes roadblocks. So we do this all through our well-being. You know, a big one that everybody likes is would you recommend bamboo as a place of work to somewhere else. That's EMPS that's built into our product. Um, we also have a tool called well-being built into the product that, um, you know, I think we need to be a little bit more prescriptive in, but it gives some good thoughts like, 
you know, it goes down the belonging path. I feels like I have somebody I can confide in, those types of things that kind of helps you gauge. Um, but then I also think you've got to say, is your business performing? And do you feel like you have top talent identified, right? So I'm able to retain my top talent. I have a mechanism for identification of top talent. I feel like I'm rewarding that top talent effectively. So all of these are on my KPI sheet. And, you know, I'm hiring talent when the talent, um, when the business needs it, which means I have a quarterly hiring plan that looks like we're going to hire whatever 10 people this month and they're hired by the end of the month, right? I'm delivering it. I'm doing what I say I'm going to do around these different workflows that we have. Um, what other KPIs do we have, Vanessa? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think you hit on on pretty much all of them and, and especially down to like that culture and values and things like that. I was just trying to pull up our monthly business review, which we're going to start doing with the entire team. Oh, span of control metrics. We talked about that. That's a good one. So as every people leader you have, have five to seven direct reports. Mm-hmm. We do rolling 12-month retention by department. We have our hiring numbers monthly based on our targets. We talk about how many recs we filled. We talk about how many. So um, just in the month of June, we had 204 total HR tickets. Um, and that's about how much we do on a monthly basis. Total average time to resolve of 10 hours. 90% of tickets resolved within seven hours. Top, top ticketing subjects being paid, paid vacation, which is like how we reimburse people to go on vacation general assistance, which is just something kind of random they need assistance with or benefits. Like I shared with you on talent review, we measure all those outcomes. You know, we had 9% of Bambooligans that filled out the self-assessment, but the leader didn't fill out that assessment. So we were tracking and managing to that. So there's a bunch of, um, you know, a bunch of different things that we report on on a monthly basis, you know, that, that are all good KPIs. But I would go around to your peers and say, hey, what do you want us to report on? Because you can report on everything and you don't want it to be like a TPS report. Who's got that reference, right? You want to make sure that you're reporting on the data that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Good call out. Well, I know we're we're about at time. There's so many good questions we didn't get to. So please continue the conversation into the HR Heroes Slack channel um, so that everyone can interact there. Um, do you want to end with the three takeaways and close us out, Anita? Yes, I do. As I, yes, I do. Okay. Our three takeaways for today, thanks for being with us. Establish clear values, mission, and then tie the KPIs to that. So connect your culture to your vision, mission, and values. Measure your employee feedback. So we just gave a lot of ideas of what you could do on surveys and KPIs to see if your culture is working. And communicate and communicate and communicate, right? You, all of this is for naught if you don't leverage the power of leadership and team members to focus on culture and show the example of demonstrating mission, vision, values throughout your entire organization. We're so grateful that you've joined us. Thank you for Vanessa for being an awesome co-host. Always lovely to be here with you. We'll be back on November 9th for the next episode where we'll be discussing how to modernize your recruiting process and how to use network hiring. I'm really excited for this. We have an awesome guest who's an expert at this and is super interesting. We invite you to visit us at hrunplugged.com where you can subscribe to the series and listen to the series in your favorite on-demand format. Please subscribe and leave us a review. 
We have a short survey that will pop up right now. Please give us your feedback because that's how we craft all these sessions is from your voice. So uh, please give it to us and you're our heroes. Keep doing all the work out there. Empathy and love to all the big things that are happening in the world. Take good care of yourself. Reach out to us if you need any help. And uh, love to y'all. Have a great day. Thanks for joining us for HR Unplugged. This series is brought to you by Bambu HR. Visit us at bambuhr.com slash HR unplugged for video versions of the podcast, additional resources, and to learn more about how Bambu HR sets people free to do great work. 